Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'd also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about autism stories. When adults learn they're autistic, many times they reflect on their life prior to this knowledge. Taylor Heaton joins this episode of Autism Stories to discuss how life would be different if she knew she was autistic in high school, her experience as a homecoming queen, and finding resources that are actually helpful to autistics. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Taylor, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Wanted to start out and learn where does your story in the autistic community begin? For me, there's one specific point that comes to mind. I was talking with a colleague of mine, and she mentioned that her daughter was recently diagnosed with autism. And her daughter is someone who's very similar to me. We went to the same university. We are both music majors. And I was thinking, that sounds like me. And if she's autistic, what does that mean for me? Because I had had a lot of diagnoses over the years, like misdiagnoses, ADHD. Well, I say that. I am ADHD, but it didn't explain all of my experience. So that misdiagnosed with OCD, stress, anxiety. So none of those things really seem to fully grasp my experience. But when I heard my colleague say this, I said, well, you know, can you tell me more about this? She said, well, there's a lot of copy and paste behaviors. And when she said that phrase, I had never heard that phrase before. And so she started describing, you know, in social situations, she will watch what other people are doing and then do that. And I was in my head, I'm thinking, doesn't everyone do that? And so I didn't really hear anything else that she said to me because in my head, you know, I went into my thought process where I was trying to put all the pieces together. So for me, that's kind of where this idea was born in my head that I could be autistic. And from there, I went into autistic research mode, as we're all familiar with, and just learned everything that I could about autism. And that was in... 2019, I think. So it's been a few years now. It's interesting when you, when you like talking about copy and paste, like I was talking to someone about a scripting yesterday and we were talking about like, isn't it fascinating when humans do like, there's some humans out there that uh, don't script like conversations like that they're about <laughs> to have with people. And I, I find that fascinating that they, they people just go into situations and don't think about the, the yeah. communication. How does that happen? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a mystery to me. Now, I've interviewed a lot of people, but I think I, I don't think I've interviewed anyone that shares something with you in that you were a homecoming queen. Um, I was. Yes. I imagine you have to present yourself in a certain way socially to be in this position, but I'm wondering if there were negative consequences for you in presenting yourself in this way. 
That's a really good question. I think yes and no. I mean, I do feel like I was true to myself in that I was lucky early on to connect with the band community. I was a flute player, um, still am, and being able to connect with the band community really helped me find my niche where I could be myself. And they really accepted me for who I was, and I feel like they were a big part of the Homecoming Queen experience because they all kind of rallied behind me and voted for me. But yes, and even that whole specific process of going through Homecoming Court and, and Homecoming Parades and everything, a lot of masking because there's so many social events that I didn't necessarily want to be at, but had to be there to represent. So I think for me, it just led to a lot of like internal exhaustion that I tried to write off as like things that everybody experiences. But as we all know, as someone on the spectrum, like it just hits in a different way when you're autistic, like it, it's a deeper kind of ex exhaustion. It's a deeper burnout. It's prolonged recovery time. So that plus on a larger scale, I feel like not just the homecoming queen experience, but masking in general in high school, I think led to a lot of health problems for me. I think I had a lot of internalized stress. I've had issues with my hair falling out a lot over the years. So I think that trying to be okay with all of these things that I thought were, you know, normal social commitments that weren't feeling that way to me. I think I internalized a lot of stress and anxiety that led to the need to be alone a whole lot and deal with some health problems that seem to come up over time. Uh, there's a saying, hindsight equals 2020, something like that. So looking back at that experience in that time in your life, would there have been things uh, you would have done differently socially if you knew you were autistic then? Yes. And I've thought about this question and I, yes, because I think I know that I just, I love being alone. I love spending time by myself. And I think that that has been kind of frowned upon, you know, especially for girls, especially in high school, you're, you want to be social and you want to connect and you want to be at all the things and make those connections. And I think looking back, I wish I could have just told myself, Hey, it's okay to really enjoy time by yourself and to be entertained by yourself. And I would have just let myself kind of chill and not not reach out to people when I didn't feel like reaching out to people and just kind of take time for myself to be in my own little bubble and know that that was perfectly okay. Now, when so many people learn they're autistic, they look for resources that can be helpful to them on their journey. But they aren't always easy to find these resources. So I know you have created lots of resources for our community. What types of resources have been most helpful to you on your journey up to this point? Great question. I, I modeled some of my resources after those that have been most helpful to me. So I was lucky enough at the beginning of my journey to be paired up with a psychologist who specializes in adult autism, which is not easy to find. They recommended a group therapy session to me that they also ran. This is Dr. Williams with Spectrus Psychological. And this group therapy was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. It was a group of other autistic adults who could finish my sentences, who understood what I was going through. I didn't have to over like over explain myself. I didn't have to defend myself or justify anything. And I had never 
it was a type of connection where I just felt like these are my people and why have I gone so much of my life without knowing my people? That being said, I modeled my autistic community groups after this group therapy, and my community groups are not therapy. I'm not a therapist, but it's more like a group setting where we can all come together through a Zoom meeting, and I teach over a specific topic related to autistic life, and we have the opportunity to discuss that together. I give everybody the opportunity if they want to They can participate with audio and visual, just audio, or they can just use the text box on the side because I know that we all have varying communication abilities. So the group, connecting to a group of like-minded people who understand your experiences, there's nothing like it. And I feel like that is like the number one resource that has been helpful for me. And so now I'm trying to recreate that and offer that to the community. Talking about like connecting with other autistic people and like where was this the rest of my life? We yeah. think of like TV or movies where like there's like a secret there's like a secret door or something. Um, like you move the bookshelf and then a yeah. <laughs> door opens and and a whole new world comes your way. <laughs> like it's been here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, exactly. Now, now one of the resources you've created that I'm interested in is the big autistic resource guide, which I believe is 28 pages long. So how did you go about gathering the resources that are in that guide? That's a great question. So I had a few of my own, uh, again, from the frenzied autistic research phase when I was putting together a lot of resources for myself. And as I started connecting to others in the community, I started realizing, okay, there actually are a lot of resources out there. They're just not very easy to find. And so I thought maybe if there was a centralized location where all these things could be stored, it could be really helpful. So I started by just compiling all of the resources that have been helpful to me. I reached out to my psychologist, Dr. Williams, and they provided a list that they had been using for a long time of really helpful resources. And then I opened it up to the community, my social media pages, and I created an email address, submissions at momonthespectrum.life, where anybody can submit an autistic business, product, resource, whatever it might be. You can submit it. It does not costs anything to be featured in the guide. And so I take those submissions and my goal is quarterly to kind of update that with all of the incoming submissions that come in. And just, I would love for it to be like the autistic phone book where you can just come to it and search for whatever you need and we can use it to support each other and to support our businesses and help each other get the connections and resources that we need. And how can people access this guide and beyond that, the other services you provide? Yeah, you can download the BARG, that's what we call it, the Big Autistic Resource Guide, for free. You can download that. All of my resources are available at momonthespectrum.life. You can click the Resources tab to access that. If you're interested in the community groups or one-on-one coaching, you can, same website, momonthespectrum.life, but click on the Coaching tab. Now, when people go to your website, in addition to the resources and services you provide, there's also a merch store that I saw. Yeah. And I was really particularly interested in one of the t-shirts that when I was, you know, I, you know, you click on the merch store and you just kind of look at through things. But uh, one of the um, t-shirts made me laugh out loud when I saw it, <laughs> which is and small talk. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure many of our listeners can relate to this sentiment, including myself. But for you, what is it that's uh, stressful or frustrating about small talk? Small talk to me, it's so intimidating because 
I feel like I will try so hard to think of one thing, you know, one piece of small talk, like, well, it's really a nice day today, right? And then they'll be like, yeah. And then it's like, then you're in the same place you were in before. Then you have to think, it's like, there's so many non sequiturs with, I think that's what drives me the most crazy. There's so many non sequiturs that it's like just this little piecemeal conversation that doesn't, like, I want to know you. I want to know what, mm-hmm. what you're going through and what, you know, I want to connect. And I feel like there's such a lack of connection and personal understanding involved in small talk. It just drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. I 100% agree. For me, it's about the connection. Like, yeah, sometimes I don't know what to say, but even like when I will say something and try to like push for that connection, a lot of times it's met with like silence. <laughs> All right, I guess we're moving on. This is very, uh, this was um, <laughs> not what I was hoping for, but. Uh... Yeah, exactly. So before we end our conversation, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your life away from the autistic community. You're married to someone who isn't autistic, which makes me think about communication and communicating with a a partner that isn't on the spectrum. So are there suggestions you have for autistics out there for communicating with their partner that that isn't autistic? Sure. I think it's interesting. For some reason, I feel like commonality among people on the spectrum, and this is a generalization, but a lot of times we expect other people to kind of read our minds or know what we're thinking. I think we have become really adept at that because we get used to picking up on others' body language and kind of trying to predict what's going to happen. So we're really good at that. But a lot of times, especially neurotypicals, again, generalization, are not as great at this. So it's always important to almost sometimes, uh, especially if you feel stuck in a conversation, communicate your stream of conscience. So what's going on? How are you feeling? What are you thinking? You can even say, you know, I'm not really sure why I'm feeling upset right now, but I'm feeling upset and I might just need to pause and take a break. So we have that delayed processing. You don't necessarily have to understand what you need in the moment, but at least being able to say, hey, I need to take a break. Let me pause. It doesn't have anything to do with you. I just need a moment to kind of put my thoughts together. So obviously that's going to vary depending on your communication ability, especially if you're in shutdown or meltdown, you might go nonverbal. If this is the case, my suggestion would be to have these open conversations with your partner in times that aren't stressful, just in regular times. You can say, hey, I know my tendencies in stressful times are to shut down and not be able to speak. Here's what you can expect. Here's what I need. So I think a lot of it is kind of advanced planning and just having that open communication with your partner to say, hey, this isn't necessarily about you or anything that you're doing wrong. It's just, these are my own personal needs and this is how you can help me in those times. Makes sense. Well, Taylor, I really appreciated the conversation. I'm definitely going to have to uh, buy one of those and small talk uh, t-shirts as soon as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for making time and talking with me today. Yeah, thank you, Doug. Thanks for all you're doing for the community. I think it's so important that you're getting our stories out there. I just really am appreciative of that, and thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thanks so much to Taylor for the conversation. To learn more about Taylor, please check out the link in the podcast description for this episode. Did you know that Autism Personal Coach provides extraordinary support to live self-sufficient and purpose-driven lives through our customized coaching? 
If this is something that you're interested in learning more about, please visit autismpersonalcoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. Till next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.